This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore shares started the week in positive territory following a holiday-shortened week. The Straits Times Index was up 0.2% at the open and closed in the green at 3,239 points. On Tuesday, Singapore shares were in the red at the opening bell. The STI was down 0.3% in early trade and closed at 3,227 points, down 0.4%. At the midweek, Singapore shares were pulled into positive territory, bucking a global sell-off on Wall Street and Europe amid cautious investor trading. The STI rose 0.5% at the open, but closed in negative territory, down 0.1% at 3,223 points. And on Thursday, Singapore shares dipped after global markets finished lower overnight. The STI fell 0.1% at the open, but closed 0.1% in the green at 3,227 points. It's Friday, September 8th. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Singapore shares dipped at the opening bell after global markets mainly finished lower overnight. The Straits Times Index fell 0.1% to 3,222.73 points. Here's Candice Lee, market analyst at SGX Securities, with her overview of the trading week. SDI ended Thursday's trading at 3,227 points, shedding 0.2% for the week to date. Asian markets were largely lower this week as investors digested China's slowing trade data, while new signs of sustained inflationary pressures in the US and rising energy prices globally boosted the case for higher for longer interest rates. According to the CMA Fed Watch 2, while 93% of traders foresee no change at the next Fed meeting, expectations of an additional rate hike at the November meeting rose to above 40%. Looking into the Singapore market, the top three outperformers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least $500 million were Starhub, Digital Core REIT and Container Holdings, which rose 5.3% on average. On the other hand, the top three underperformers were Silver Lake Access, Lendless Global Commercial REIT and Hobieland, averaging 5.1% declines. In terms of institutional fund flows in the Singapore market across the last five sessions through to 6 September, we observed net institutional fund outflows of $19 million, reversing inflows of roughly $300 million we've seen in the previous two weeks. By sector, the highest net outflows over the last five sessions were seen in technology at $62 million, financials at $29 million and telcos at $23 million. On the other hand, the highest net inflows were seen in utilities at $26 million, consumer non-cyclicals at $6.8 million and consumer cyclicals at $0.8 million. Over the month of August, both institutional and retail investors were net buyers of the Singapore market. Singapore stocks received net institutional inflows of $408 million and net retail inflows of $600 million over the month. Net inflows from both the insti and retail segments have been an uncommon occurrence in recent years, and the combined net inflows reversed the combined 950 million net outflows of both segments in June and July. In terms of index performance, the SDI ended August at 3,233 points, declining 4.2% in price. However, August was a heavy month for Singapore dividends, with over 100 stocks going ex-dividend over the month. Taking into account dividends, STI's declines in total return terms was improved to 2.5%. This brings the STI's total return over the first eight months of 2023 to 3.8%. Within the STI, Yangzijiang Shipbuilding was an outperformer in August, lodging 9.7% gains. 
This was also largely due to the depreciation of the renminbi to the USD. Most of Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding's current record order book is in USD. As of the end of its first half FY23, Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding's total outstanding order book amounted to 14.7 billion US dollars for a total of 181 vessels, with clean energy vessel orders now representing 56% of the total contract value. The quarterly STR review was announced last week with no change in the constituents. Keppel Reed will replace Olam Group on the STR reserve list on 18 September. The STR reserve list is made up of the five highest-ranking non-constituents of the STI by market cap. The other four stocks of the STI reserve list include Capital Land Escort Trust, Fraser's Centerpoint Trust, Capital DC REIT and Suntech REIT. The next review will be conducted in December. Last week also marked the listing of Singapore's first structured certificate. The inaugural launch is an auto-callable certificate, which is a yield enhancement product linked to Alibaba Group Holdings listed on the Hong Kong Exchange. It has a conditional distribution of 10% per annum. Structured certificates are structured products based on the performance or price of an underlying stock or equity index and contain derivative components. These products are designed to meet the specific needs of investors, such as yield enhancements and growth payoffs. In particular, a yield enhancement certificate offers yield opportunities, in this case in the form of potential distributions, which may be at a higher rate than the historical dividend yield of the underlying asset. Yong Huiting joins us with her wrap of the week's highlights. Asian markets were down in the last five trading days and that Thursday. Singapore Straits Times Index closed up marginally higher, gaining 0.1% on today, but still an overall loss on the week. Thursday's decline in the region was led by the Hang Seng Index, which slipped 1.3%, while Shanghai's SSE Composite Index fell 1.1%. The Nikkei 225 also dropped 0.8%, while Korea's Kospi fell 0.6%. This comes after stronger than expected US services data on Thursday, fueled concerns that sticky inflation would mean that interest rates stay higher for longer. The Institute for Supply Management said on Wednesday that its non-manufacturing purchasing managers index rose to 54.5 last month, the highest reading since February and up from 52.7 in July. U.S. indices traded down lower during the week on investor cautiousness as the U.S. continued to display signs of strong growth. The tech-rich Nasdaq Composite Index fell 0.6%, while the broad-based S&P 500 declined 0.8%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average slipped 1.2%. While most are expecting that the Fed would be keeping interest rates unchanged at the coming September 20th FOMC meeting, it is still unsure if interest rates will remain at current levels by year-end. Meanwhile in China, the jurisdiction reported Thursday another monthly decline in imports and exports, albeit less steep than expected. Exports in US dollar terms fell by 8.8% in August from a year ago, while imports in US dollar terms fell by 7.3% in August from a year ago. Imports have now fallen every month in 2023 from the year-ago period. Exports have fallen year-on-year every month since April as global demand for Chinese goods wanes. A bearish outlook following a series of data releases this week was also seen on the home front, as the Straits Times Index finished lower on the week. Nonetheless, data released by the Inland Revenue Authority of Singapore pointed to healthy post-COVID recovery in the country, as tax revenue for the financial year 2023 rose to 13.1% to 68.6 billion compared to the year before. Next week, Singapore will release its monthly statistics on labour, including unemployment data, among others. 
Still to come, economic data and highlighted stocks of the week. Lens on Singapore, a monthly podcast series from the Business Times podcast team on current affairs, societal issues and government policies explored through the lens of how it impacts us here in Singapore and in the region. Anchored by Clarissa Montero and Howie Lim, every third Monday of the month. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, could you highlight the most notable news for the week, please? A recent economic survey conducted by the Monetary Authority of Singapore showed that private sector economists have lowered their full-year growth forecast for Singapore from 1.4% to 1%. Economists cited a worsened outlook on manufacturing and non-oil domestic exports, as well as expectations that Singapore's monetary policy to stay unchanged in the upcoming October decision. Looking into next year, economists expect GDP to improve to 2.5% and headline inflation to ease to 3.1%. Singapore's tax revenue for the latest financial year rose 13.1% to a record 68.6 billion Sing dollars. This represented 75.4% of the government's operating revenue and 10.7% of Singapore's GDP. Corporate income tax accounted for 62% of the $7.9 billion increase in tax collection on the back of recovering corporate earnings. GST collection also rose by $1.5 billion due to higher consumption and a rebound in international arrivals. July retail sales in Singapore also came in line with market expectations at a 1.1% growth year-on-year. The reading was largely unchanged from June's 1% growth and marks the sixth straight month of growth. Total retail sales value came in at $3.9 billion, of which online sales accounted for 12.6%. Economists noted that this month's growth was supported by tourist arrivals. July's visitor arrivals surged to $1.4 million, the highest in the year so far. In particular, retail sales in food and alcohol grew 21% year-on-year which was mainly due to the higher demand for alcoholic products, according to SingStats. Singapore is planning to expand a pilot project that boosts the ocean's capacity to absorb carbon dioxide emissions. The National Water Agency, PUB, has built a plant that uses electricity to extract carbon dioxide. At the plant, seawater is run through an electrolyzer, which converts dissolved CO2 into calcium carbonate and produces hydrogen. PUB is aiming to secure funds by the end of the year to build a demonstration plant with a daily capacity of 10 tonnes. In the Singapore property market, flash data from real estate portal SRX and property agency 99.co, the number of million-dollar flat transactions hit a new high in August 2023. The previous high was recorded in September last year following news of property cooling measures. The number of million-dollar flat transactions in August made up 2.2% of total resale volumes, which rose to 2,473 units over the month. Year-on-year, overall HDB resale volumes were 6.4% higher. According to a survey by HSBC, more than a third of international firms with Singapore presence say that they will prioritise their growth in Singapore over the next two years. Of the companies surveyed, 36% of them that have operations in Singapore said they have business expansion plans here in the near future. This was followed by 27% for companies in Malaysia and 24% for those in Thailand. According to HSBC, the respondents cited a number of advantages that Singapore holds over its competitors, including a skilled workforce, a growing digital economy, developed infrastructure, a supportive government and regulatory environment, as well as supply chain ease. 
Okay, Candice, before we end, it's our version of Q&A. We say a stock, you give us the latest you have on it. Sure, I'm ready. Let's start with a REIT, Digital Core REIT. Well, Digital Core REIT will be included in the FTSE IPRA NARIT Global Developed Index from market close on 15 September. The REIT manager noted that the inclusion should enhance the REIT's trading liquidity as well as its visibility to global institutional investors. This immediately saw an impact on the REIT's trading volume this week. Its average daily traded volume for the week was up over 100% as compared to its three-month average. Its price also gained 5.4% this week, adding to its 6.4% gain for the year to date. Waiting, you have one? Sure, let's go with City Developments. Yep, sure. City Development announced that it had acquired a hotel in Osaka, Japan for 8.5 billion yen. This marks CDL's third hotel acquisition this year. It believes that this new hotel acquired is well-placed to benefit from the positive market recovery momentum amid robust demand from international visitors. CDL estimates that the upcoming six-month-long World Expo in 2025 is expected to attract 30 million visitors to Osaka. Singtel, Candice, what do you have? Well, Singtel's digital bank joint venture with Grab has obtained approval to start operations in Malaysia from this month. The digital bank, known as GX Bank, will leverage technology and innovation to serve the needs of the unserved and underserved individuals, as well as micro and small-medium enterprises. It noted the lack of access to financial services by these segments is not new. Since the pandemic, 55% of Malaysians' household income has decreased dramatically, with almost 50% now claiming to have difficulty raising at least 1,000 ringgit as emergency funds. Alright, last one. Got anything on MM2? MM2 Asia has subscribed for 19 million Hong Kong dollars of exchangeable bonds issued by Hong Kong concert organiser Unipack Entertainment and Productions to enhance its live entertainment presence in Asia under its recently incorporated subsidiary, which is MM Life. This partnership with Unipack and together with others in the pipeline represents MM2's commitment to grow its market coverage spanning Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Taiwan, China and Southeast Asia. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Thanks to Candice Lee, Market Analyst at SGX Securities, and Yong Hui Ting from the Business Times News Desk. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.